Loving Father, we come to Thee now, Lord, as we prepare to look into Your your Word. Father, may we truly be able to say from our hearts that You mean everything to us, that You mean the world to me. And Father, I thank You, Lord, that You are always there, always guiding our path, directing our footsteps and watching over your children. Help us to understand that, Father, and to, and to believe it and to hold on to that promise. Now, bless our time, we pray, as, as we hear from you once again. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you will take your Bibles now, let us turn to the book of 1 Peter. First Peter, as we continue our series here, and we are in First Peter chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2, and we're going to finish the chapter tonight. Uh, <clears throat> the title of this series, again, some of you may recall, we called it Alien Life, Alien Life. The reason being, of course, is that throughout the book, Peter refers to believers as aliens. Some translations use the word aliens, some translate it foreigners or sojourners, strangers, but it's basically we are from another world. When we came to know Christ, suddenly we lost our worldly citizenship, you might say, and we became citizens of heaven. And how wonderful that is to think that we are citizens of heaven and to have that mindset. And that's what Peter's concerned about, that we have this mindset of of being sojourners. So how should we then live as sojourners, as aliens in this foreign land that does not know God? And so we're going to pick it up here at verse 18. Uh, That is where we left off. Now, as you recall, uh, earlier in this chapter, uh, Peter had urged his readers to uh, cultivate a love for God's word as well as for each other and to to live in such a way that uh, you you look and act like God's people. And, And... the last verses we looked at in this chapter, uh, we began to see that that God uh, uh, put an emphasis through Peter's writing here. God put an emphasis on submission to authority, submission to authority, and we be, we began to look at that subject last time we were together here concerning. Uh, being subject in, uh, uh, to the authority of our government, those that God has put over us as, in, in authority as, as our, our government. Uh, just as a review, because what we're going to see is we're going to see Peter focus on that word submit, submission, uh, throughout the next uh, few uh, verses and, and in chapter 3. But look at verse 13 of 1 Peter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king 
as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men, act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Honor the king. And so you can see that Peter uh, had, is trying to begin at the top. And he's going to move his way down. But he's beginning at the top concerning authority over the believer's life. And, and this, this will all relate finally to our living under the authority of our, of our Heavenly Father. And do we live in such a way that we are submissive to him? But Peter here uh, points out the importance of Christians living in obedience and in respect to those who are in authority over us as a, government, as a human institution. And so now he is going to move to another subject. Well, same subject, but uh, uh, um, he's going to move... Now to the uh, personal one-on-one issues that a Christian must deal with. And it is in verses 18 through 25 we are going to look at here. But let's read together 18 to 20. 18 to 20, if you'll follow along. Servants, be submissive. Now, if you have a King James Version, it has the word Translated subject, be subject to. Be submissive to your masters with all respect. Again, King James Version translates it fear instead of respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Again, the King James Version has a different translation. It uses the word froward. For this finds favor... King James says, thankworthy. This finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows or endures grief when suffering unjustly or wrongfully. For what credit, King James says, glory, for what credit or glory is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, You endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and you suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Again, the King James Version says acceptable. This is acceptable to God, but it finds favor with God. One thing to understand about submission at any level for the believer is that it should be voluntary it should be something that i choose to do that i choose to submit myself to someone who is in authority over me and here peter is is narrowing it down to servants slaves and masters back then now 
to understand the, the background of this, in ancient Rome, in, in, uh, in the ancient world, uh, slavery or servanthood was part of the culture. There were millions and millions of slaves or servants that did all the work during this time period in Rome, under the Roman Empire. And when Rome would send out his ar- their armies and they would conquer lands, they brought back prisoners. Not only just the, the prisoners of war, but their families. And so any prisoners of war usually ended up being servants of someone. They were sold off as slaves or servants, and as well as their families. What was interesting to note is that, uh, that slaves were not allowed to, back then, to actually get married. Unless, of course, the master would, would permit it. But for the most part, many, many of them, uh, uh, the men and women would live together and they would have children under that roof, but many were not married. But here we need to understand where Peter's coming from. This was part of everyday life. And what he's talking about here is the submission of a servant or a slave under the authority of another person, another man called the master in the house. And again, we're not, we, we don't go through here whether or not, uh, you know, this is uh, right or wrong. We, we know that slavery uh, in, is found throughout Scripture. And so it has been part of culture for, for all, since the beginning of time. And so Peter does not address the issue of slavery being right or wrong here. And we're not going into that, but what Peter is basically trying to tell us, as the Lord gives him the words to write, is that you and I are under some kind of authority in life. And here he, is, he now is speaking to those believers who are scattered abroad, those who are aliens, came to Christ, trusted him as Savior, but they were slaves in, their, in a household. That they, some of them were born slaves in the household. Some of them were brought in, you know, bought as slaves, but they, they, these were servants and slaves that worked for the, their master. And so with that in mind, we need to understand what Peter is saying here. Verse 18. He said, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. So he's not saying, uh, hey, you servants, by the way, if, if you ever get a chance, make a break for it and run. When you see the doors open, no one's looking around, get, get running and, 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 and get away and, and, and free yourself. He doesn't talk about that, does he? No. What does Peter say? Servants, be submissive to your masters with all what? 
respect. Or the word, King James uses the word fear, which means to respect or to honor. That, they, that the believer, the believing servant, should be submissive to their master in a, uh, in a respectful way. How many of you recall um, working on the job? I, I know pretty much everybody here is retired, I think. So some of you are retired, but you're not retired. Because I know you work hard. You still do a, have a lot of work you do. But think back when you were, uh, had the job, okay? And you were working under someone else. And you had coworkers, okay? So I believe that this re- uh, relates beautifully uh, with our culture today. Not concerning slaves and masters, but concerning the uh, bosses and those employees, employers, and in that realm. And perhaps you remember times when uh, the boss, if you were under somebody, would tell you what to do. And you had a belligerent boss. Did any of you ever have one of those? That, that they just they just, you know... They would come down at you, and uh, I know some of you worked at Hershey. Now, so uh, you know, I've heard some some stories from all over that uh, sometimes they, it depends on your conditions uh, where you're working. Uh, sometimes you can have a boss that is ornery and just seems to have it out for you, and he treats you unfairly. Remember those times? You were treated unfairly or he, he wanted you to do things that were, you know, that you go, wait a minute, that's not my job. Oh, yes, it is because I tell you it's your job. And it'd be that kind of an attitude. Do you recall what kind of attitude that brought you, that caused you to have towards that boss? Oh, yes, it it can easily, we think back, we remember, we'll do it, but we do it gritting our teeth and getting bitter about that person who is treating us unjustly. The boss who is maybe, uh, you know, is, is hard on all his workers, but for some reason he's got me picked out. Now, that may also go back to the days of school, if you recall. Remember the school days when uh, there were the, the, you had certain teachers that were, um, were so good to you. Any of you, how many were teachers' pet? Anybody? Want, no, you don't want to raise your hand, do you? But you remember the, those that were teachers' pets? They called them teachers' pet. Uh, Royal, did you ever have any of those, like like pets? Yeah, that, that's good. I like that. He treated everybody. A math teacher first. Uh, he's only joking. But how, how many years were you a math teacher? 34 years. How would you like that job? So, so put, it, put, put yourself in, in that situation. Here is Royal. He's got a position of, quote, master, okay, or teacher. And he's got the students under him. And he has to have discipline, of course, in the class. But, of course, he will try as a Christian teacher. 
he would no doubt seek to be fair and to treat all equal. Now, of course, there were the students that were unruly, right? And the ones that you ended up sending to the principal's office. Um, and, or there, there, was a, there were the teachers that maybe weren't as fair, but they, and they came down hard. They, they were a harsh teacher. And you remember them. You remember the ones that were, were, were difficult and, and hard to sit in their class. And maybe they, you felt like they picked you out. Um, and so, sometimes, uh, you know, it was deserved, of course. I remember in middle school, as uh, I was a student in Abington uh, uh, High School or middle school there, uh, there was a teacher we were in a history t- class, and I was sitting at the back of the class, and he and I shouldn't have been talking, but I get I, I was talking to one of the guys while he was talking up there. Well, the teacher was a good old Irishman, and he he uh, it didn't take much to get the fires going. And so all of a sudden he stopped teaching. He looked back at the class, uh, the back of the class there where I was. And he marched all the way, <laughs> he marched all the way back to my seat. And you know, we had those, those seats that where you, you had the chair connected to the desk. It was all one piece. So you're sitting in that. And sitting there, you know, I have the inkwell. That's how long ago it was. But, but, he, but he, he, I remember he grabbed me by the shirt like this. And he took me and the chair in one swoop, slammed me up against the back of the wall in the classroom. I could, I could smell lawsuit the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he, he slammed me, me and my whole chair and desk up against the wall and he said, what did I say? You're going to be quiet when I'm teaching. And that's all he had to do. He did that and let go and walked back to the front. I was trembling the rest of the day. I was, you know, and I was scared of that man. But guess what? I respected that man because, you know, he dealt with me maybe in a harsh way. But I deserved it. I deserved it. But Peter is, to what's Peter saying here? Peter is telling us when we are treated for doing it well, doing the things that are right, how important it is for us to be submissive and not have a bad attitude towards those who, uh, who are not reasonable and not good to us. Okay, again, verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but respect those who are unreasonable. Do you see that word unreasonable there? <clears throat> the, uh, that word unreasonable in uh, the uh, Greek is interesting. The word unreasonable there in the Greek is the word scolios. Scolios. 
Does that ring a bell, that word? Scolios, scoliosis. Scoliosis, yes. The word, the Greek word, means literally crooked. Crooked. Unreasonable, but it has the, but it really means in the Greek, crooked. And that's where we get our English word, scoliosis, which talks about our spine when it is curved or it is a disease that has distorted our spine. It's, it's a scoliosis. So the Greek word here is scolios. So if you, you may have a boss or a teacher, someone over you, employer, who is unreasonable. And uh, so now you have a word. Next time someone who is in authority over you is very unreasonable, you could say, you're scoliosis. Maybe that'll, that'll get their attention. But here, Peter is, is saying, you as a, uh, an alien in this life, as citizens of heaven, you and I are going to face harsh treatment, especially as Christians. And especially back then, if you were a slave or servant and you became a believer, many times you were marked out for that and you were treated worse than the other servants or slaves in the household. And do we not see that today in America? How we look around and what do we see? We suddenly begin to see more and more attacks on Christianity. More and more attacks on the Christian, those who name the name of Christ. And we are being picked out. We are the ones that suddenly... Uh, they are turning on and being harsh to us. And so we're beginning to experience in America persecution that continues to grow. Not like the persecution here yet in the first, first century Rome. But Peter was talking about you're going to be persecuted. How are we to respond to those who are persecuting us, especially when we think of those who are have authority over us in a job or any other situation. We are to be submissive. We don't like that word, do we? We don't like the word submissive. To to be submissive in any way, shape, or form. But biblical submissiveness is basically, if you want to define it, I think the best way to define it, is having a teachable spirit. Having a teachable spirit where I, even though they are, are, are harsh with me and un, I, I'm being treated unjustly, I must understand that the Lord uh, is trying to teach me something and I must allow the suffering I'm going through to be a time, time of training in my life, spiritual training, so that I am being conformed more and more to the image of Christ. And Peter's going to get into that now. So if you look with me now at verse 19. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? And that basically goes back to my incident in school. You know, 
I was opening my mouth. I was getting in trouble. I deserved it. But he goes on and says, but if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This, I love this, this finds favor with God. This finds favor with God. Do you want to know how to, and by the way, that word favor is the Greek word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. You will, you will experience and I will experience a favor, a grace upon us that God will, will bestow upon us when we are submissive, when we are unjustly treated and we suffer for righteousness sake suffering for righteousness sake would you turn with me to genesis 39 i want us to go way back into the old testament and go to genesis 39 and here we have the story of course of joseph and uh, i couldn't find a more appropriate uh you know uh story than this one that ties in so beautifully with what Peter is trying to say. Now, look at verses 1, beginning of verse 1, Genesis 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from uh, the Shimelites who had taken him down there. So if anybody knew what it meant to be a slave, Joseph did. Of course, we know what his brothers did. It all started with them throwing him into a pit, and then he was taken as a slave. And now he was bought as a slave by Potiphar. But look at verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. What a beautiful picture. Here he is, a slave. But God is going to shine through this young man, Joseph. And Suddenly, because Joseph had a submissive spirit to his master that he was under, God put his favor, just like Peter was talking about, put his favor upon Joseph and caused Joseph to prosper, even though Joseph was not free. He was still a servant. He was still a slave. But, but the master took notice. And oh, when you and I are, are persecuted for righteousness, for doing the right thing in this life. And the world picks us out. And because of our stand for Christ and our stand on the word of God, standing for what is right, you and I might suffer persecution and suffer attacks unjustly. We should be just like Joseph and learn to have that submissive spirit. Say, Lord, I want your hand of favor upon me and I'm just not going to retaliate. I'm not going to look to get even. 
You, you don't see any bitterness in Joseph here. It's incredible. And look at verse 4 and 5. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over the house, over his house, and all that he owned he put in, in his charge. And it came about that from the time he made him overseer in the house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of who? You see it there? On account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. How incredible that God even blessed the house he was living in and the family of Potiphar, uh, uh, Potiphar because of Joseph's submissiveness. But what was, what was really causing Joseph to be this submissive? It was that he had a heart of submission to the Lord. That whatever he did, he was doing it as if he was doing it for the Lord and not for Potiphar. And so he had the right perspective. And oh, that I might have that perspective. Then when I am called to do something or put into a situation where maybe I don't like it, Maybe I, I, don't, I don't like what I have to do, but I do it as unto the Lord. And I, and, and I, rem, and I have that mindset that, that Lord, I, I'm going to give me a submissive heart uh, when I have to, have to do these things. Maybe that, that I don't feel good in doing or it's under some kind of persecution that I don't retaliate. And so we know the, the next part of the story here that... Potiphar's wife, right? So he's doing all this good, and what happens to him? He gets accused by Potiphar's wife. And so, of course, uh, we, we know what the result, verse 20, if you drop down to verse 20 with me. So Joseph's master took him and put him in the jail. What was Joseph doing? He was doing everything right, and yet Satan was going to make sure, I'm going to get this guy because he's so submissive to the Lord that it's, and he, that means he's submissive to Potiphar and he's getting blessed by the Lord. I don't like that. And so Satan was stirring up the pot and he sent a woman like Potiphar's wife to tempt him. And so falsely accused, Joseph's master took him, put him in jail the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. But, verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. There's that favor of God again. Because Joseph is being submissive. He's not fighting the situation. He's not, he's not sitting there brooding and getting angry and saying, God, why are you, now why have you allowed this? I've done what's right. I was submissive and, and, and you know, doing what I could. And now, now you let this happen to me? But Joseph does not have a heart of bitterness towards uh, the, uh, Potiphar. It doesn't say anything about bitterness towards Potiphar and his family or Potiphar's wife or, or to God for allowing this to happen. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. 
And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him to prosper. If we, if we can only grasp this tonight, dear brethren, that, that as, as I live my life under the sub, uh, submission, my submission to the Lord, that I submit my will, first of all, to the Lord, and then to all those who may be over me or persecute me or treat me unfairly, that I might have a submissive spirit, a Christ-like spirit, what is that going to cause? It's going to cause God's favor to rest upon me. And once that favor rests upon you, it doesn't matter what the world does, God strengthens your heart, he works out the circumstances in your life, and he'll bring, bring us peace, and, and he'll, he'll bring us uh, comfort and strength to continue to go on and face what, we, what, what is before us. So I just wanted to point that out as we go back now to 1 Peter 2, and let's finish up here with the, the last few verses. <clears throat> Look with me at verse 21. Now Peter is going to bring the Lord Jesus Christ into the picture. Verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Leaving us an example to follow in his his steps. By the way, that, that word example here in the Greek appears only here in the whole New Testament. But the classical Greek word here for this English word we've used to translate it, example, literally means underwriting. Underwriting. And it referred to a drawing that someone placed under another sheet of paper so when he or she could trace on the upper sheet. That's where we get the word underwriting from originally. Children often learn the alphabet by copying a sheet provided by the teacher. They get it exactly right by tracing by, as they uh, use tracing paper and produce an example from the original work. That's what that word means. And so therefore, I am to be a copy of Jesus Christ. He is to be my example, and I, with his help, the help of the Holy Spirit, I am to be a copy of the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth when I am in, 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 in a point of where I'm tested and I might be persecuted, that I might have a submissive spirit. Because Peter is now pointing out the submissive spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he goes on, leaving you an example for you to follow in, in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was dis- any deceit found in his mouth. 
And while being reviled, he did not what? Revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. By the way, isn't that what Joseph was doing too? He was entrusting himself to the God of Israel who he knew judged righteously. In verse 24, And he, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls, or bishop or overseer is another word that's translated there. That we, like lost sheep, we've come back to the good shepherd, and he is our example. For what did he do? He did not fight back. We don't have time to look into the passages of where Jesus was uh, abused and he brought before Pilate and brought before the Roman soldiers and they abused him. They spat upon him. They put a crown of thorns on his head and we're studying this in, in our men's Bible study Wednesday night. We're at that point. We're coming towards the cross. And Jesus did not utter a word against his enemies. But what was Jesus doing? He was being submissive to the will of the Father. And where, where do we really see that submissiveness of our Savior? Back in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was kneeling in the garden before the cross, before he knew the cross was coming, he knew he was going to have to, the, only, the answer to the, to, that God sent to mankind was that there had to be a sin sacrifice. Jesus was going to be that sin sacrifice. He was going to take the sins of the world on himself on that cross. It wasn't the, uh, the physical suffering that Jesus was concerned about. He was concerned about the spiritual suffering in carrying our sins and becoming the sin sacrifice. And that's why he went before his father in the garden. As we talked about on Wednesday nights in the men's Bible study, Jesus went three times alone into the garden and prayed, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Our Lord Jesus was experiencing pain that we could never experience. Understanding that he was going to be carrying the sin of the world on himself. He said, Lord, Father, if there's any other way, remove this cup from me. But then you recall what he said. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And on that statement hinged our eternal destiny and our salvation. For Jesus at that point completely submitted and said, Yes, Father, if there's no other way, I accept what you have, have decided and what you willed. And, and he went through it. And therefore, he went through it without fighting back he told Pilate, I could call 10, uh, uh, 12 uh, legions of angels. Remember that song? Ten, he could have called 10,000 angels to come and set, set him free. He didn't do it. 
And oh, this is our example. Peter's trying to bring him to us tonight and saying, would you take the example of our Lord Jesus Christ and look at what submission really is to God? What submission really is to my Father? And when I have a submissive spirit to my Heavenly Father and whatever he chooses to do with my life, then what's going to happen? It's going to have a trickle-down effect. I am going to learn to be submissive to those who are treating me in in a disrespectful way, in a hurtful way, in a persecuting way. I will learn to be submissive to whatever authority I may be placed under. If I one day get arrested for being a Christian, I'm thrown into jail, I pray that I will be just like Joseph and that God will find favor and put his favor upon me as I am submissive to the enemies of Christ and that I will suffer for him as he suffered for me. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to enter in to your kingdom through your precious Son who gave his life on the cross on our behalf and took our sin upon himself. Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us that example of submission. Father, I pray we might learn to submit everything to you that our will might be submissive to your will every day that we might find your favor upon us even when the world is against us and father we know that through our suffering jesus christ will be seen in a greater way through our lives help us to keep him as our example we pray We ask all this now in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen.